Hey, welcome back to Tiger Talk tonight here on uh, Double K Country. Appreciate you joining us here on this Wednesday evening as we're going to get a chance now to uh, talk Nevada boys basketball. We're going to do that with Tiger head coach Sean Gray. The uh, Tigers had, certainly had a very active calendar at the end of last week, but uh, now had, I want to say they've been able to relax, but uh, had a little quieter time now in the first half of this week and the last week of January with uh, no ball games now scheduled until Friday when they finally return home to get set to take on the Cardinals Tigers. We're going to certainly talk about that as well as the ball game that will be coming up uh, next uh, next Tuesday on the road as well at Monette against the uh, Monette Cubs. So that's the two games coming up. But we got three to review with the uh, Tiger head coach and Sean Gray. And Sean, uh, certainly an exciting week last week. We're going to break down each game that you played in the Frontenac Raiders shootout. But now to to win that tournament, you've played in that championship game six straight years. So you've won three in a row. I think, what, four out of the last six, I think, is the number. Uh, but three in a row, certainly. And uh, certainly it's been, as I said on post games, a nice home away from home from Nevada, but a, another good week at Frontenac last week, or for a good three days, actually. It was, Mike. We uh, we knew there were some quality opponents over there that we'd, we'd have to play well, and, and and we felt like we took steps in each of those games and, and have grown as a, as, a, as, a, as a ball club on both ends of the floor. So uh, it was a good week for us. It was fun. We always enjoyed going over there. And then uh, – you had some success to that, and it makes it an even more enjoyable experience. Certainly provisions had to be made because of the COVID-19 uh, protocols, so the, the field was reduced to pretty much local teams. Uh, uh, and uh, But a good four-team round robin, especially on the boys' side, uh, a very competitive tournament. And uh, certainly, as we talked about on last week's show, kudos to them for getting it in, first of all, and, and maintaining, at least uh, for what they had to do, a good quality field. Absolutely. And you know, for anyone that might think it was watered down or, or wasn't the same, I mean, if you if you think about this, Fort Scott and Frontenac, though, I mean, those are the types those are those are the types of teams you'll see in a first round and then a second round game. I mean, uh, and then Web City's the type of team. I mean, they're they're in all likelihood good chance that's the type of team or maybe the team you would have had to have beaten in the championship. So uh, we really feel like this is as good a win over there as we've had. Uh, any of the other four ranks right up there with it, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean it was it was a great job by Paul Colton to to make this thing happen, and uh, and uh, we're, we'll look forward to hopefully a full field next year. Uh, you get the National Guard sponsorship back on board, and uh, they always feed the teams over mm-hmm. there, and it's it's really a first class deal. So. Uh, enjoyed it this year and looking forward to hopefully being back to, to full go next year. Yep, we'll look forward to that and uh, go back to full-blown uh, <laughs> selfish needs like hospitality rooms <laughs> and things like that. Uh, but uh, uh, let's talk about each one of the ball games. They started off last Thursday against the, uh, the Frontenac Raiders. Uh, uh, they've got a 6'8 junior by the name of Jordan Fudge who certainly, uh, he's, he's big down inside. He had 23 points. But uh, you countered that with three guys in double figures, led by Logan Applegate with 24, the McNeely Twins, both in double figures, and uh, uh, 66-48 victory, a, a good solid win on their home court. It was, and and some of their losses early in the year, they did not have Jordan Fudge and actually didn't have three or four of their varsity rota- rotation pieces. They don't, I think they played either two or three games with their full team and, and had not lost a game with that with their full gamut of players. So we knew they'd be a tough opponent. I mean, the Fudge kid's a handful. What he does well is he can finish at a tough angle. You know, sometimes you wonder why maybe he doesn't power up and not make it a tough angle and just score it mm-hmm. right at the rim. But really, really good at finishing with his left and his right, and uh, he gave us all we wanted. What we did a good job of, I thought, Mike, was not letting the other pieces really hurt us. 
you know, the the Mangini kid, he's a good player. He, he made three three balls. But really, the role players, none of them had a better-than-expected game, which I thought was a key. You had uh, you came right out and went right after him. You had a 16-9 lead in the first quarter of play and still led by 12 at halftime. But how key was it? I mean, obviously it's key any night. But how key was it, at least on their home court, where they want to do well in their own tournament, how key was it to pretty much take it to them in the first eight minutes? It was a big key. And we've struggled in the past a little bit against zone defenses. And when they zoned us, you know, our guys' ability to penetrate and to pass on the interior, I thought our cutting – and our penetration against the zone was better than it's been all year, and then our interior passing. There were even times when I thought maybe we should have just scored it instead of continuing to share the ball, but that's a good problem to have, and uh, we, we were really pleased that we attacked the zone. And then uh, pleased with the way that we shot free throws in the fourth quarter to kind of finish the thing off. Now you did, uh, and uh, and then your, your three guards outside all had good nights. Uh, you know, that was kind of a dream night for your perimeter shooting. It was. They shot it well, and then they also, like we said earlier, they attacked the basket well. And, and we, we've we talked a lot about not being one-dimensional, not just being a jump-shooting team, because all of those guys are capable attackers as well, and and, uh, and they, uh, they they proved that. And then, uh, you know, Ben Hines kind of got back on track at the free-throw line as well. So the next night, on Friday night, you take on the uh, – uh, actually, on Friday afternoon, you take on the uh, Fort Scott Tigers. Uh, Fort Scott team that uh, came in the game at 5-4, and four, but – had reeled off some wins. Uh, got to a slow start. Uh, I can't remember if it was four, uh, one, four other five, something like that. But had really gotten things rolling a little bit, and uh, they uh, they did lose uh, on Thursday to Web City. But you pick up a fifty-eight to thirty victory. Give up only thirty points. A solid, solid defensive day. Yeah, we were really pleased with our defense, and we felt like our defense got better and better as the tournament went along, and as each game uh, progressed, we got better and better the first through fourth quarters. And, you know, I think as people that watched us or, or listened to you, Mike, know that we, we probably played a little more zone defense throughout this tournament than we've done in the past. And, you know, that's something. And talking with, with Coach Talley, uh, talking with Coach Wolf, Coach McNeely, uh, we really feel like that's something this team can can hang their hat on is their, is their zone defense and our ability to switch zone defenses. And a good zone does get better and better as the game goes along because – your opponent may hurt you in a certain area, but you adjust and you take that away. And it becomes kind of a chess match, and it's tough over four quarters offensively when a zone keeps taking away what you want to do uh, to find other ways to hurt it. And uh, just just really proud of our defensive effort. And, uh, and again, our guys penetrated the zone. Uh, Fort Scott played us zone. They actually came out in a box and one against Logan Applegate. Mm-hmm. Hurt that early. Logan McNeely and Lane McNeely said, okay, you're not going to guard us. We're going to make you pay, uh, which is what we need them to do. And then we just attacked, and we're constantly in attack mode all night long. Well, that they did. Logan McNeely with 22 in the ballgame, three trays in the first half, four in the game. And uh, as you said, uh, they concentrated on Applegate, and rightfully so. But uh, you got pieces that can pick it up, and Logan McNeely certainly did that, 22 points. Yeah, he did. And he's, he's proven throughout the season that – if you're not going to give him enough defensive attention, he can sure make you pay. And uh, he did that. And it's important early for us to make shots early in a game because that changes the way defenses guard us. And uh, good job by he and, and Lane also had a – Lane may hit the first three of the game, actually, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, when those guys are hitting shots early, it makes us pretty tough to defend. 58-30, to Nevada with the victory. That gave them win number 10 on the season. Of course, 2-0 and in the round-robin format. And so that moved us to uh, turn into a – although in a round-robin tournament, they don't line – you don't line up and – 
fifth, third in championship games or or third in championship games, but it turned into a pseudo championship game because both Web City and Nevada were two and zero. I'm sure they kind of maybe designed the schedule that way, thinking that was probably the way it was going to turn out, so they would have a true championship game on Saturday. And it lived up to its billing. Uh, you saw Web City at the Kaminsky Classic, lost by ten at uh, their place, and are uh, down at, at Joplin High School rather. Uh, this time, Nevada picks up a 51-50 to victory. We'll talk about uh, the last few seconds in a second, but just overall, what was the difference uh, in this game on Saturday as opposed to the game at the Kaminsky? We were able to make this a much slower-paced uh, half-court game for a bigger part of it. Uh, that's what we wanted to do against Webb City in the first matchup at the Kaminsky. And if all you had to do was go back and watch the first quarter, and our average time of possession in the first quarter was probably under 10 seconds uh, at the mm-hmm. Kaminsky. And, and while some of the looks that we got weren't bad, uh, unfortunately, they, they were just it was just a situation where we didn't make Webb guard. And, and, and Webb wants to play fast. They want to play up and down. We knew that going in, and we just, quite frankly, did not dictate the pace the way we wanted to. We got in that big hole early, controlled the pace for the rest of the game, but as we saw uh, in early January, just too big of a hole, too much to overcome. Last Saturday at Frontenac, controlled the pace from start to finish, held a team that, like you talked about, Mike, wants to win games in the 70s and 80s uh, to 50, and then that's the recipe for success against a team like Web City. Okay, so let's work our way backwards in this one because I'm sure people want to talk about the last few seconds of the game. There were 7.8 seconds remaining in regulation. Nevada down to Nakai Howard. Uh, had hit a bucket uh, to put Web City on top, uh, 58 to 48. You had a timeout. Uh, before we talk about what you talked about and what actually happened, let's go back and uh, we don't normally do this on during the winter sports, but uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time for Logan Applegate blowing out my voice. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it was it was fine after the commercial break. Just for a few seconds there, I had to regain it. But this is how the game ended with Nevada getting the 51 to 50 victory. It's an automatic two free throws. Web City a little token pressure. Logan McNeely to inbound it, throws it into Logan Applegate. Clock down to six. Applegate, right side, three-pointer. Good! Good! Logan Applegate hits the 25-footer for the right side. Four-tenths of a second on the clock. They may push the time up there, but Logan Applegate with a 25-footer from the right wing puts the Veda on top. 51 to 50. So there we go. Apologize for the, the voice getting out of shape, but that's from 14 years of mustard truck announcing. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but at any rate, uh, you got the idea anyway. And, uh, well, what a moment. Uh, Logan Applegate's had a few of them. I don't know where that ranks uh, as far as uh, shots that he has hit. But with 25 points and to cap it off with that three, uh, not as time expired because there was another couple of seconds on the clock, but, uh, but to hit it right in front of you, uh, right in front of the bench, and uh, you got a great look at it. That was a that was a moment I'm sure you'll remember for a long time. I'm sure he will as well. He'll never admit it, but I'm sure he will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my. I mean, that's just is that really – was a special moment for our program, for Logan, for our entire team. And, uh, I mean, I think we all had confidence that that's something he could do. And, but I mean, we all know that's, it's much easier said than done, no matter how good of a shooter you are, how good of a player you are. And, you know, I, web city's objective was to not let him hurt them. They ran two defenders at him. And I think rather than try to split the two defenders and, and maybe the whistle blows, if, if they get physical with you, maybe it doesn't. He he's a guy that normally elevates on all of his jump shots anyway. He knew he could elevate up over him, and uh, it was pretty deep. But it left his hands. It looked good, and like you said, right in front of our bench, 
it seemed that that I don't know how long it takes a shot to go from from fingertips to net, <laughs> probably a half second. But man, it, I mean, it seemed like three or four seconds, and then all of a sudden it goes through and back to live action and get and uh, you know web web. I think they were a little shocked. Maybe didn't get that timeout called as quick as they wanted, but got the timeout called and uh, just really a, a fun way to, to to cap what was a really good tournament for yeah, us. Yeah, it, it wasn't one of those shots that banged around the rim and off the glass and in. It was pure. It was, and uh, he is not one of those kids that stands at the three-point line, catches, tests the winds, and shoots. That's not how he practices. I mean, he practices shots from the collegiate line. I mean, he, that's that's where he shoots from. Uh, practices full-speed game shots, a real live jumper, and that's why he's the type of prospect he is because uh, he's able to knock down those shots and he'll be able to knock those down at the next level as well. So uh, no surprise that he was able to bury that. Just uh, – just good execution by our guys as well because, you know, as a coach, things don't always go the way you draw them up. And while we, we were hoping maybe he'd go to the basket and draw contact, uh, if, a, if a shooter like that gets a shot he likes and, 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 and is able to step into it, we'll take that as well. So good good execution by him and all of our guys. Yeah, I was talking about this, thinking about this over the weekend because you told me on postgame it wasn't the play you drew, you, that you drew up during the timeout. So uh, – uh, talk about what you did. Well, you, I just kind of alluded to it, but what did you draw up? And then at what point did you know that plan was uh, going away? So it, it was 50-50, Mike. It was kind of the plan. We wanted Ben to go free up Applegate to catch the ball coming up the right sideline with momentum up the court. Because with time on the clock, it makes a big difference. If you have to catch the ball going away from your basket, turn and regain your momentum, one, it's easier for the defense to get in front of you, and two, it's, it's burning precious time. We used Ben because you assume Ben's a guy that's going to have a bigger, less fleet of foot defender on him to, to get him open. And then Ben's job at that point, as soon as he screens Applegate, is to sprint to the rim, and he, then he's there to clean up and any putbacks. Because there was enough time, you thought, on a miss to hopefully have a putback. Then, as Applegate's driving, we want to we really space the floor, and we want him to try to attack the basket because there was enough time to go coast-to-coast, attack the basket. And as you as you and I know, it's hard to keep a guard like Applegate if he's coming full speed from getting to the basket without fouling him. And we were in the double bonus, and and you know in their timeout they're talking about not allowing him uh, to get to the basket, but they're also talking about not fouling. They don't want to put us at the free throw line. The idea was is then for Lane McNeely to come over, and if Applegate did not have the straight line drive, for him to use Lane as a screener and Lane screen and pop so that either Applegate had the drive or then Lane would have the, the open shot. Logan McNeely would be the trailer. We, we I think Villanova a few years ago in the championship, their trailer they pitched it back to for the open three. So really one of those three guys is who we wanted to get the open shot. And then, of course, Ben with the tip in. Applegate saw those two guys there waiting on him. He said, ah, this is good enough for me. Uh, pulled up right there and buried it. So uh, and that's what a player like like Applegate's going to do. They're they're gonna they're gonna see an opportunity and take it. So a really good job by him. Well, the game certainly wasn't done yet because uh, there was a couple of seconds put back up on the clock, and they did have to go the full length of the court. But uh, they made sure no time ran off because they went uh, they went with the touchdown pass uh, to at least try to get it down to the other goal. But uh, your free safety back there, Ben Hines, took care of that. He did, and what we talked about after Web City's timeout when we had already taken the lead was. We put Lane up on the ball and told Lane, just go crazy, make the pass, either have to be a bounce pass or a pass that's got a lot of air under it. No straight line direct passes. So he was super active. Uh, and then 
we talked about, okay, if they catch the ball around the top of the key, the free throw area on their own end, that's fine. Make make the guys make them catch it going away from their basket. Um, and so we played soft, and we told Ben, if Luke Brummett catches it at the center circle, that's okay. Back up. You know, they ran Gerard on a, on a go route, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, Ben saw it coming, just went back, played free safety. And if you're going to have to have a guy back there playing free safety to go up and swat or intercept a ball like Ben did, Ben's the perfect guy for that. And, and he read it well and, and, and was in the right place at the right time. So, uh, Devaney gets that victory again, 51-50, sort of an exciting fashion. Webb City's got to feel absolutely snake bit in this Frontenac tournament. Third straight year that they've lost to Nevada in a uh, in a championship game. And not that I'm going to second guess a team that went in 11-2, and but uh, – and you're going to take the shot when you get it. But i got to believe they they got to be kicking themselves for taking that shot that Nakai Howard hit as early as they did with, uh, well, basically eight seconds remaining. Man, Nakai Howard – Knocked down tough shot after tough shot for them. I think he had three late clock shots against yeah, us uh, in that game. And one thing we like to do, Mike, is is show one defense in a late clock situation and then shift to another, kind of make it a chess match. But you have to have quick, heady players to do that. So we came out in a man-to-man, and we told them on the pass, shift back into our zone because they're going to see our man they're going to throw it in and, and look to run something against it. And with the clock winding down, hopefully keep them out of rhythm. Well, they threw it in and immediately attacked. And, <laughs> and I don't know if Howard just saw an opening and took it or if, or if they're – if in the huddle they talked about going quick. But, yeah, I mean, you want to take that shot. I think you probably want to go between the seven and the five second mark so that your shot's being taken under five, close to that three-second mark, so that on a rebound you're talking – two and a half, three seconds mm-hmm. at maximum allowed for your opponent. Uh, hats off to them for hitting a hitting a shot. But, uh, uh, you know, our guys really, if, if you would have told us the shot they got was a tough 12-footer uh, with seven seconds left, that's definitely something we would have taken. And I'm sure a lot of people have forgotten uh, that you were actually down 12 points with two minutes to go in the third quarter. It wasn't like this was nip and tuck the entire second half. You had to, first of all, make a comeback uh, to get to have the chance to win that ball game. We did. We made some big plays late in the third and then throughout the fourth. Uh, Lander Logan McNeely made a nice drive and then a little pocket bounce pass to Ben Hines for a finish at the rim uh, late in the third quarter. And then in the, in the fourth, Ben came through big force. He had another bucket. And then when we were trailing by two with, I don't know, what, what, under 30 seconds to go, mm-hmm. he steps to the line. You know, we, we couldn't yeah. tell who the foul was on. They called it right in front of us. Ben set the screen. Applegate came off of it. We thought maybe it was on Applegate, who's a great free throw shooter. They called it on Ben. He's been making his free throws at a much higher clip. Really clutched by him to knock those down. The possession before that, uh, when Applegate hits that step back three on the left wing, just clutch play after clutch play by our guys late. And uh, also, though, stops, held Webb City to one field goal in the fourth quarter. And and uh, you win games at the defensive end, and then really our fourth quarter defenses combined with those clutch plays on the offensive end is what won it for us. Well, speaking of that, uh, defensively, number one, you, they average 75 points a game, held them to 50. Then when you take a look at the shooting numbers, they're three of 19 from the three-point line, shoot only 30% from the field overall. Uh, so it just speaks to your team's defensive play on Saturday. Yeah, Ben's become much more active around the basket, become much more comfortable in his shot clock, shot blocking ability. Our guards, Logan Lane, Evan, Ab, Eli, they've – they're flying around harder on the perimeter. And in that first contest, you know, we let a guy like the Hayes kid, I think he made five or six threes against us. We talked about make them make tough twos. 
And they did do that, but if that's how most of your offense is generated throughout an entire ball game, uh, it's going to be tough to win, and, and we were able to do that. So a big win for Nevada, 51-50, more bigger in so many different ways other than just winning that uh, tournament championship because, uh, again, you're both in Class 5, District 12. They had the win at Joplin, so now you return the favor, get the win at uh, Frontenac, and now Webb City turned around and beat Harrisonville last night, the other team in contention uh, in the 14th district for that number one seat. So at least as of uh, today, January 27th, how do you see all that playing out now? I think it's tough, Mike. I think, you know, Web City, they're probably leaning on the fact that they beat us by a little wider margin than we beat them. Um, we're probably leaning on the fact that how you're playing lately, I think, matters going into districts. Uh, we have the most recent win. You know, you've got a Web City team that says, okay, we also went and beat another district opponent in Harrisonville by double digits. Um, and then you've got a Harrisonville team that has a good record. They've got some good wins. Uh it will be very interesting, and I think it's going to be important over this last month of the season how teams play. I mean, I think if one team were to, to rattle off you know, and win 9 of 10 down the stretch and another team were to, to maybe go 5 and 4 or 6 and 3 down the stretch, then I think the, the team that's playing better lately would have some momentum. So going to be very interesting. I know uh, our athletic director, Coach McNeely, he's been in contact with the district committee on – if we're going to play every game at the higher seed or just the first round and then have a neutral site for the championship game, uh, that becomes another mm -hmm. interesting dynamic as well. So I think we'll know something about that uh, hopefully this week or early next week also. So uh, it sure is interesting, Mike, and I think right now it's maybe a little up in the air. Regardless, Harrisonville's a good ball club. Webb City's a very, very good ball club. Um, you're going to have to probably win – uh, two two tough games to be a district champ, and uh, that's a that's a challenge we're looking forward to. And really, every game between now and then has to be a step in us getting better and getting to the point where, where we have a good chance to win that district title. Well, as you mentioned, they've got CLC play still to finish up. There's, we know that that's a quality conference, as is the Big Eight. You do have East Newton behind you. Not that you don't have tough games coming up, you do. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, still uh, Lamar hanging out, hanging around out there uh, that you still have to play. Some other good opponents come up. You said, as you, we talked about before going on air, that uh, there's some teams that maybe didn't think much about uh, earlier in the season that are starting to come on a little bit. So, so your February has certainly no sense either. Right, and and it's a situation where we've added Springfield Catholic to the schedule, mm -hmm. Class Class Six A uh, Smith Cotton. McDonald County's gotten a lot better. Lamar's a good ball club. We've got a Carthage team this Friday who we know what happened last year when we maybe took them for granted a little bit. So uh, we've got to keep getting better. We've got to look at each game as an opportunity uh, to position ourselves for district seating and probably more importantly an opportunity for us to keep getting better so that we can – can be the best version of ourselves in late February, early March. Uh, you got a, you got a, a lot. You got so a lot of players on your team that are pretty quiet guys. And I'm just curious uh, when they came back for practice on Monday. Are you see you going to get Monday off? So when they came back for practice Tuesday, was uh, the Web City game still the topic of conversation, or have they moved on? Uh, I think there was quite a bit of talk about it. We were pretty excited, <laughs> and uh, uh, guys just guys in a good mood. Guys really getting after it in practice. Um, you know, I think I, I think it's just changed our dynamic a little bit uh, going going forward. So, uh, not only does it help us for district standings, not only does it help us in the win loss column, but really a shot in the arm for our guys. And I think hopefully some good momentum we can 
ride forward the rest of the way. Well, that momentum uh, needs to continue on Friday, as uh, Coach already mentioned, uh, alluded to. Uh, the Cardinals Tigers come to town on Friday night, a non-conference matchup, obviously, against another team out of the CLC. Uh, Carthage right now sitting at 6-10. and 10. They have won two of their last three. Uh, didn't see them this year at the Cardinals Tournament, which seems like a rarity. I think we see them every year. Didn't see them this time at the Cardinals Tournament. So uh, tell us a little bit about them, what we expect on Friday. They're a very guard-oriented team. They're they're a pretty young team, only a couple seniors on the roster. Uh, they've had nights where they win some games big and they make 10, 11, 12 threes as a team. They've also had some nights where they've struggled offensively when the three-point line just is not there for them. Uh, former coach Steve Ray has a, a son who's a freshman uh, who's a good shooter. He's had some, some four- and five three-point make nights for him. Joel Pugh, who who we will remember, uh, started for them last year as a sophomore, has had three or four, uh, five or six three-ball nights for them as well. And then they've got two brothers, the Templeton brothers. Uh, One of them's more of a guard, one of them's more of a post player. Super high-energy kid. So I think it's those four guys that really make them go. We will have to defend the three-point line. Uh, If they're able to make six, seven, eight threes, uh, then, then they've got a chance offensively to hurt us. On the other end, We've got to attack the basket. They don't. They lack a, a real rim protector. Uh, we've got to attack the offensive glass. So uh, run them off the three-point line. Uh, take care of the ball when those guards try to pressure you. Uh, I think that'll be a big key for us. The other game next week, uh, or in the next week, before we talk again next Wednesday, is next Tuesday night, back on the road, uh, down at Monette to take on the Cubs. Uh, uh, big 8 West matchup as we get back in that part of the season. And uh, so uh, how the Cubs been doing? Maybe not having the success in the win-loss column that they'd like to have. They're a team that's also had some big offensive nights, so I think they're a little bit streaky. Uh, it will be a take-care-of-business type trip. It will be a game where if we go down and play to our potential, uh, play play against the man in the mirror, so to speak, uh, then we feel like it's a game we can have some success in. But and when you get to conference play and you go on the road, you cannot take anyone for granted. You you have to expect the other team's best shot, and that's what we'll expect from Monette next Tuesday. So those games are coming up, and uh, don't want to get out of here without mentioning it. In fact, as this program is airing, I'm assuming you're probably in El Dorado Springs watching your JV team play. They got a nice win. I don't know how good the seedings are in these JV tournaments, but they were the sixth seed going in and beat the three seed Skyline in the first round on Monday. So uh, uh, playing at this hour in their semifinal game against Morrisville. So uh, hopefully they're going to continue to have a good week as well. Hopefully they're the defending champs at that. Tournament, uh, you know, I we always feel like our schedule we'd put up against anybody's in as far as that JV tournament's concerned. So a lot of times your win loss record does not look as good as a lot of the other teams. And then another thing to factor in is, you know, uh, take a team like Skyline for instance, who had a really good junior varsity record. You never know what gamut of players your opponent is sending, you know, because there are nights when on, on a JV varsity doubleheader. Uh, some kids that play varsity basketball get a quarter, two quarters, three quarters in a junior varsity game. And then because of tournament restrictions, a team may not have their full mm-hmm. squad. So that's a Skyline junior varsity who I think had a really good record who maybe didn't have all of the kids they would normally have on a on a JV varsity doubleheader night. Um, so that can factor in as well. But regardless, it's fun to go play a tournament and play for a tournament championship, especially at the JV level. And uh, we'll look forward to watching our guys tonight, hopefully take care of business and have a chance to defend their title uh, on Thursday. All right, very good. Well, we'll wish you the best of luck over the next week. I'll see you Friday night at Wynn Gymnasium against Carthage and next week on the road at Monette. And then back here next Wednesday. Again, congratulations on the tournament title over at Frontenac, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yep, looking forward to it. Thanks, Mike. Now, Coach Sean Gray, we come back. Our attention turns to wrestling as Andrew Pickens talks 
with head coach David Hawks after this timeout on Tiger Talk.